as I find the right. The game is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has five stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. Joshua, we would 100% have Josh Harris on the show. We know there are some people from the organization who watch us. So, you know, maybe you you hook us up. Probably not going to happen, but hey, you never you never know. Uh, Dubs family, if you're not a serious boss, you won't have serious workers kind of in line there with what you're talking about. Stoner, uh, commandees, no. Too early for that. Mm-hmm. We'll save game predictions for later. Commandees, we're about to be two and four after 4 p.m. on Sunday. We'll talk about how Washington can get there. And one of the ways that they're going to get their stoner is the QB play mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of the overall talent here with uh, Command D's saying, uh, we have too many pups on this team and not enough wolves, and then puts the, the wolf motion. So we got to have a little howling going on here. Specifically, our young wolf uh, needs to perform at a level that's going to win games. Mm-hmm. Now he's really only had one stinker all year, yeah. right? The Buffalo game outside yeah. of that he's played reasonably well. He's actually sixth in passing yards. And I think 12th in completion percentage. is what I want to say off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and we have TJ here. What's it, bringing up CJ Stroud, who, has been performing, I think, better than most people expected out there in Houston. Mm-hmm. And then saying Sam Howell's struggling. And I and TJ I kind of take umbrage with that because I don't think he's struggling necessarily. I do think that there are aspects of his game that are struggling. Mm-hmm. But I think overall he's doing uh, fairly well. In fact, a uh, friend of the, the channel, Colin Dunphy, uh, big fan of the EPA is Colin. And he looked at it and he was just like, Sam Howell would be a top 10 QB mm-hmm. if he can limit his sacks to an average amount and looks at it. And it was like, if you just remove the sacks from his, uh, the uh, Sam Howell's record, he is a top 10 QB with yeah. his EPA, his efficiency. He's moving the ball downfield and he's doing good. He just has these sacks. Colin even went as far as to just not just take away the sacks, but Put in an incompletion. What if Sam Howell just threw away the ball instead of a sack? Instead of taking the sack, and he's yeah. top fifteen QB. And Stoner, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. We talked at it at the beginning of last season. You get mm-hmm. you get mediocre quarterback play, and this team with the defense playing the way that we know that they can play, not the yeah. way that they have been playing, but the way that they could play. This is a team that's going to make the playoffs. What do you think needs to be fixed with Sam Howell? I'll be completely honest. Now, I I agree with most of everything you said. He, I don't think he's necessarily struggling. I think he's going through what a lot of first-year quarterbacks go through. Uh, But I don't think he's struggling. I don't think he's been great either. There's some some things he's really, really got to work on, and it is a lot of his decision-making. It just seems like sometimes he's coming off his first reads too fast. Sometimes 
He's just holding the ball too long, waiting for a deeper read to come open Mm -hmm. and not just dumping it off. There's just a lot of things that he's doing that you would expect from a second year guy that he's got to get better at. And those things that he's doing, not coming off his first read or coming off his first read too fast, all these things, these are ending up in sacks. And sacks are not just a stat. Sacks are drive killers. Sacks are getting your defense back out there a lot quicker than than they should because you can't sustain a drive as long as you want to. So he's got to fix those for the sake not only of the offense, but for the sake of the defense. The offense helps the defense by sustaining longer drives. And a sack pretty much kills just about any drive. I don't know what the stats are. Somebody's probably got a stat of, of how many drives end in touchdowns and where there was a sack. It's probably very, very low. Yeah. So he's got to figure that part out of his game. He's got to figure out how it's okay to dump it down for a three-yard gain. Mm-hmm. It's okay because you see those guys open. It's okay to take a shot to um, you know somebody downfield that is not necessarily your first read. But he's got to figure all of these things out or else he's going to find himself at the end of the year with a new regime coming in possibly being cast aside for, you know, a top five pick or something like that. A new, a new regime comes in. They may say Sam Howell's not our guy. If he continues on this particular path, he's got some good stats, but he doesn't have some of the things that they need him to do in order to be even better to help everybody out. I love this line here from Gus. How plays every down as if it were third and long. Yeah. And uh, and I can see like that. that. I can see that. And and that it kind of harkens back to what I said I didn't like about the previous guy who is on our screen right now. Mm-hmm. Uh who is not starting by the way. I saw that comment up in the end there earlier. I just couldn't resist putting a, an old Washington player up there. Desmond Ritter is going to get the start. In fact, Desmond Ritter had his best game of the season last week. Um, but uh, I, what I said of Taylor Heineke was that every every play is a is a desperation play with yeah. Taylor Heineke. It, took, it was. It took a while before Taylor Heineke kind of grew into this, you know, player who could kind of manage a little bit better because when he first played and that's one of the things that people loved about him was he's just like he's running around out there and he's just like trying to sling the ball into these tight spots and everything and that's why i got frustrated with him one of the things i think that is going to be beneficial stoner for sam howe in this regard is he is getting a lot of reps qb is a position where the more reps you get the more you can the more opportunities you have to improve, right? So I think we're seeing him early on like we saw when Taylor Heineke first kind of came to Washington. Every play was that desperation play with Taylor Heineke. Every play is third and long to Sam Howell. Mm -hmm. Well, as he gets more reps and he sees this and he learns from it, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to get better. Now, I know you and several of our listeners, the one of those things they listed on there that Washington needs to fix for this upcoming game against 
the Atlanta Falcons was they need to run the ball. Yes. Take it out of Sam Howell's hands and put it into Brian Robinson so he can win the battle of the B-Robs. Right. Now, I mean, how? Yeah. I was just going to say it. It. it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me to think that this offense right now, the way the way it's been going right now, you're you take a young quarterback again, he's his first year starting. I know he had a lot of starts in North Carolina. This is a different animal. He's his first year starting. You have an offensive line that anybody not named Nathan thought was going to be terrible. Nathan predicted, I believe, a top 10 offensive line. I said Eric enemy is uh I think I probably did. I was very that was one of my bold season predictions. Your bold. Right. Everybody enemy can scheme this. And if you look, depending on your metrics, I was mm-hmm. looking at one earlier today, Stoner. Okay, I'd love to hear this. The tackles this is running. Okay. The tackles, that's actually pass protection. The uh the line is actually a lot better in pass protection than you would think, given the fact that they've given up the league league and lead in sacks, right? But yeah. Charles Leno is right there with Trent Williams and mm-hmm. these individual metrics were with which were both uh I wish I could pull it up real quick here. I should have uh, bookmarked it, but it was winning in pass protection. Uh, they were right on top of each other. And then the number mm. of double teams that they get assisted with. Right. So like you, if Charles Leno is often out on an Island on his own, and he's actually one of the better pass blockers for protection and Wiley, a guy who we've seen completely ignore oncoming rushers was also fairly well in both regards in in the same factor there. So I'm just saying the the line needs some work. I'm not oblivious to that. I'm not oblivious to that. But I I think they also also had a seven yards per average rusher a few games ago, right? Like they they have their opportunities. I think San Cosme is the only guard in the league that has gone the entire season without giving up mm-hmm. a sack. He's gone yep. 234 consecutive snaps without giving a, giving up a snap. If you and watch, he lined, Sam Cosby, up a, 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 he lined up in front of Jalen Carter. So you yeah. can't tell me he hasn't played against strong competition. Yeah. If, if you watch a lot of tape on Sam Cosme, he has actually been very good. Yeah. This other stuff about the other guys you were talking about in these numbers, I don't believe him. Because I've seen the tape. I've seen how bad Wiley's been. I've seen how bad Nick Gates has been. And I've seen Sadiq Charles struggle quite a bit as well. Leno has been pretty decent from what I've seen. And Sam Cosme has been excellent, actually. He's been very, very good. Sam Cosme has been absolute baller out there and right guard. But you're right. Leno, by the way, is always, always going to be a, a... He's a starting left tackle in this league. Yeah. He might be the 20th best left tackle. Right. Maybe even the 30th, but he's a starting left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And he's always going to be there. He's played 10 consecutive years without missing a game. So you can always count on Charles Leno to be there. But we we know, going back to the original point, is that you've got a second-year quarterback 
you've got a less than stellar line and your game plan game in and game out is to come out and just throw the ball. Last game against Chicago was a little bit of an anomaly in that they dropped back 55 consecutive times. The, the most ever in the PFF era, which I think is from 2005 or 2006, most consecutive times dropped back. That's insane to me. You're down 40 to 20 with three minutes to go in the game. And you just keep throwing them back there. Uh, throwing passes anyway it's just odd that that has been your game plan and you're two and three and you've been down at half at the half in four out of your five games you got to change that that style is not working they have to change what they've been doing you just can't keep doing that to sam howell to the offense and as i've said before to the defense. The lack of sustained drives, the lack of holding on to the ball is what causes the defense to be out there longer. And if they're already struggling, you don't want to keep putting them back out there time and time again. Last year when they went on their streak of all those games, it's because they started running the ball and controlling the clock. It's what they did to Philadelphia when Philadelphia was 10-0 and uh, and we went into Philadelphia and beat them at their house because we controlled the ball for Mm -hmm. 40 minutes or something, whatever the number was like 40 to 20 or close to it. That's the way we talk about all this new age football and everything. You control the line of scrimmage, whether it's on offense or on defense, that's how you win ball games. They've got to get away from, from throwing the ball so much. They just have to do that with Sam Howell, especially. I just don't think we're ever going to see that, right? Like it's never going to be a thing that, that they do. I think that when you look at, I'm going to try, I'm trying to quickly bring up some opportunities here for Kansas city's offense, which Eric, Eric Benamy is bringing to Washington. Okay. Yes. So we know got the counter, but go ahead. Okay. You do have a counter. Okay. uh, Before you even say anything. Okay. I mean, or after I've got so the counter. My my question when I was when I'm what I'm looking up and trying to rush to kind of look up here is the passing to rushing per game. Did Kansas yeah. City in the last two years yes. ever have a game where it was a disproportionate rush to pass ratio? We know that they passed the ball. They're one of the top teams that pass the ball. Of course, they have a guy, you might have heard of him, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but has there have they had a game in the last two years with, you know, probably a big lead out there that they've had such a disproportionate rush to pass ratio? Yeah, probably not. And we did a little bit of research. It was like after the first three games, and we compared what the rush to pass ratio was for an entire season, not game by game. And Washington's rush to pass ratio was less than Kansas city's rush to pass ratio, meaning Washington was throwing the ball more than Kansas city was, which doesn't make sense when you have Sam Howell and the opposite end, you have 
Patrick Mahomes. Except it does because Patrick Mahomes, you probably have a winning, you know, team, right? Mm-hmm. You're you have a lead so where you can run the ball more. Mm-hmm. And Sam Howe has been forced to play from behind mm-hmm. a lot more because both the defense and the offense haven't been gelling as much as we would like. So it does yeah. make sense, Stoner, that Sam Howe's going to have pass more. Similarly to how Kirk Cousins has a lot of the lead league leading uh, passing stats right now. Well, mm-hmm. hello. They've been behind the whole time. They've been behind yeah. almost every game. Sure. Yeah, yeah. When you talk about the bigger numbers, the passing numbers, yes. But if you just look at the first half of these games, we've been harping on it since game one. The first half, they just come out, throw, 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 throw. And the next thing you know, you're behind. And now you got to continue throwing. And maybe if you would just run the ball more, then you wouldn't fall behind and you wouldn't have to throw the ball so much. It all comes back to controlling that line of scrimmage. And if you can control the line of scrimmage by running the ball, then it makes passing easier. And it makes so that you're not behind all the time. It always comes back to running the bleeping ball. I knew you weren't ready, so I went ahead and just said bleeping. I mean, you could have slowed your roll a little bit, but (laughs) understood on that. Just start running the ball more. Six rushes, I don't care how far behind you are, six rushes for an entire game in the NFL is obscene. It's malpractice. It's it's a way that it gets coaches fired. Now, it's not going to get EB fired because – you know, everybody thinks he's the second coming, but six rushes in an NFL game. I mean, I don't even think uh, back when uh, uh, Mike Leach was at Texas Tech and they had uh, Patrick Mahomes there and they were throwing the ball all over the place. I don't think they were only had six rushes in a game. I, I mean, it's just it's crazy to me to think that they went. It, six it is fairly one. I doubt they're going to see we're going to see that again. And we're going to talk more Sam Howell in a little bit. In fact, we have a fun little trivia thing that we'll put up on the screen and have everybody take a look at as far as that's going to go. So but I do want to move to those other things Washington's going to need to fix to win against Atlanta and command Mm -hmm. these taking our next one here in the comment section. Our defense needs to switch from man coverage. Yeah. Because I'm tired of seeing Burt Toast. This is yeah. a change that, that Jack Del Rio has kind of brought, right? So they drafted two young corners who are known to be aggressive and collect turnovers. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to play more aggressive on the defensive back side, right? Mm-hmm. They've been aggressive. They've just been missing those opportunities. So what's been resulting is more plays have been getting behind the team. The team strength last year was a zone defense and keeping yeah. everything in front of them and then allowing that offense to make a mistake. And now they're trying to, I think, do too much. Do you think Coach Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio have talked? They've talked about what they could potentially do yeah. to kind of fix things. Do you think we're going to see more zone play this game against Atlanta? Well, number one, zone play is not Emmanuel Forbes's uh, preferred style of playing. So why you drafted him, if that's not his best style, I, again, 
It's kind of like the William Jackson thing. Yeah, I'm actually thinking. I actually think that Forbes is a zone guy, and that the the move to man is what's been detrimental mm-hmm. to him because he so, gets beat on double moves. Yeah, right, and right. You, if well, you're playing zone, you don't necessarily have to worry about that because right. your okay. your zone is in one area. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Here here's a tangible reason why Jack Del Rio probably should have been let go. After Chicago played Denver, the Bears came out and said in the first half of that game when Denver or when uh, Chicago went up 28-7, I believe was the score against Denver. This is prior to the Washington game. They were just throwing the ball all over on Denver, just left and right and everything. Denver was playing man-to-man most of the time. This is Chicago telling everybody in the interviews afterwards. And then Denver switched to a matchup zone or a a two-deep zone, whatever they were doing. They switched to a zone. And then Fields couldn't figure that out. So why in the hell, knowing that, or at least being smart enough as a defensive coordinator to be able to watch the tape and knowing that Justin Fields cannot throw into zone coverages, why would you come out in man-to-man? So the whole point of that is if they didn't know that for Chicago, why are they all of a sudden going to learn that for Atlanta? Which they should. They should know that they should be playing a lot more zone. Most teams play more zone than they do man nowadays because of the quarterbacks are, have gotten so good that and the receivers are so good that they're just going to get burnt in man. So they have to play more of a zone coverage more often than not. So why Washington is doing this man-to-man, I'll never know. Because they proved, Chicago proved the week before. So they need to figure that out this week. Now I've got a little hint for you. I think they do figure it out this week. And they do play more zone. And they don't get beat for those long plays. You know, they've, they lead the league. They've had 15, 25 uh, air yard plays made on them. That's number one or number 32, however you want to look at worst in the league. They've mm-hmm. had 15, 25 plus yard plays on them. And five of those have gone for touchdown, which is like third. They're giving up huge plays. They have to make a change. Stop with the man to man and play more zone. And that's on Jack Del Rio and Ron to figure out. Hopefully they do. I think they will, but they didn't <laughs> against Chicago, which bugs me. So several people had commented that that uh, defensive play calling and scheme had to be changed. I, uh, on that one there, Kevin uh, on our Twitter said, get chunk plays kind of the opposite of what you're talking about in Washington been giving up chunk plays. Washington also needs to get chunk plays. Yeah. Do you agree with Kevin in that aspect of, you know, maybe you are going to go, you particularly kind of run the ball guy, mm-hmm. you know, kind of three yards pile of dirt, all that other stuff, get, just yeah. get first downs and collect and do the time possession game. How yeah. about getting big chunk plays as a tool to success against the dirty birds? Yeah, absolutely. If you can control that line of scrimmage and you can establish a run game and it doesn't have to be like super successful. It just has to be established that you are going to run the ball and force the defense to react to that. Then that will open up those chunk plays on offense. That'll open it up more for Terry 
and Jahan and even Diami Brown. So, yeah, I think that is also going to help uh, the defense to stop the chunk plays. Again, the offense being out there longer gives them more opportunities to make adjustments, to get the rest that they need, all of that good stuff. So, yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Who's that, Kevin, you said? Kevin? Yep, Kevin. Kevin is going to answer that one. Um, Code Talker, yeah, the the team moved away from the straight zone concept and it's been playing man to start the season. One of the reasons why Washington's not been doing so great. Not doing so well. Um, I loved the absolute sage. Play angry, but don't get sloppy. Hmm. Washington... uh, on penalties, I ha- I don't have the stats in front of me, but I feel like Washington's doing okay there, but they haven't been playing really hard-nosed football and playing mm. angry outside of one Chase Young, who I think has been playing at a level that we expected him to be. Maybe, you know, he can step it up a notch, but he's has three sacks in three games. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's, you know, fourth, tied for fourth in uh, pressures in the NFL. He's one of the best pass to uh, ratio, pass rushing ratios in the NFL as well. How can this defensive front, the K-9s, the, the first rounders hmm. that we have, do better on the defensive front as that was one of our other answers? I, I have some good news for all those who want some good news going into this Atlanta game. The last four games that they've played, other uh, basically other than the Arizona game, they have played against very mobile, mobile quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and then Justin Fields. Their game plan, at least to my eyes, I don't have any uh, proof of this, their game plan was to keep those guys in the pocket and was not to get out of any rushing lanes and to, and to just basically go straight up and even hang back a little bit in case that quarterback does run. I just didn't see the aggressiveness from Deron Payne and John Allen at most of the time. Sometimes you would see that. And it just felt to me that they were doing that to keep those quarterbacks in the pocket. They said, look, if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me through the air. Well, they did. But the point is that they were laying back a little bit. And I think you're going to see a different style. You're going to see a lot more attacking on this Atlanta offense. Those those guys, I think, are going to live in the backfield of Atlanta. Now, Atlanta has a pretty good offensive line. But I don't believe when those when our defensive line is at the top of their game that there's really only a few offensive lines that can stop them. Even Philadelphia really can't stop them that well when they're playing at the top. Now, I think San Francisco can just because I think Trent Williams is the best offensive lineman I've ever seen in my lifetime anyway. Uh, But I think you're going to see a completely different style of defense in this game for Washington. Yeah, Desmond Ritter, by the way, has 18 rushes on the season for 57 yards. 10 of those coming in week two. Uh, and then kind of sprinkled throughout, uh, gaining 39 yards on those 10. But uh, last week, like we said, 
Desmond Ritter having his best game of the season, which is why he's, I think he struggled one more time. Maybe you would have seen Taylor Heineke come in uh, for this game against his former team, but he ran four for uh, four times for 10 yards. More importantly, he passed 28 for 37 for 329 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. So Desmond Ritter, not doing as well as a QB as what Atlanta would like him to do. In fact, a friend of mine who is an Atlanta fan messaged me and was just like, well, at least we got our answer on Desmond Ritter. Hmm. So if Desmond Ritter is not the QB that's going to beat you in the air, and I do think that he's going to have a letdown game after having his best game of the season, Uh who on the Atlanta side is the defense going to have to kind of square up against? Well, obviously, B. John Robinson is an all-world talent, and he does it not only from uh, the running back, uh, you know, from running the ball, but he's an excellent uh, pass catcher as well. He's their third-leading uh, receiver on the team. He's got – he doesn't have any touchdowns running the ball, but he has two touchdowns receiving. Mm-hmm. And Desmond Ritter only has four passing touchdowns. He's got two to his backs, and then he's got two to Drake London. Drake London's a problem, okay? They're going to have to do whatever they can on Drake London. I don't think their other receivers are that great, uh, but they do have two excellent tight ends and Kyle Pitts and John Smith. So that – and when you have two really good tight ends and your running back are three of your best receivers, that's a quarterback who's doing a lot of checkdowns, doing a lot of the short stuff. So they're not, I don't think they have the capability to have big plays other than possibly B. John Robinson having some sort of screen pass or some sort of big run. They're not an explosive offense. They only score 16 and a half points a game, which is way, way down. I think it's uh, 20 Atlanta offense, 27th in the league at 16.6 points per game. So they're not explosive. Desmond Ritter played out of his mind last week. This is best game of his life, basically. And he had um, a couple of, he had, he led them on a nice drive, but you got to be aware of Bijan Robinson. You got to be aware of not just Kyle Pitts, but John Smith is a very good tight end as well. And then Drake London, I tell you, he's a beast. And uh, he's, I think this is only his second year, right? Wasn't he in the Drake London was uh, drafted last year. Yep. He was top 10. Yep. Top 10 pick there by the Atlanta yeah, Hawkins uh, last year. But I mean, Desmond Ritter's not great. Okay, he's got four touchdowns, three picks. He's been sacked sixteen times. He's not a threat to run. You just have to control their run game, and really, their run game has been Bijan Robinson. Tyler Algiers is a up the middle kind of guy. He hasn't done a whole lot. He's only averaging like three yards a carry, whereas Bijan is is carrying the ball all over the place. Uh, so he's their big threat. Stop Bijan Robinson you stop the Atlanta Falcons. And you already, and again, they're not explosive. So you don't have to really concern yourself with these explosive plays. Now, the Bears aren't supposed to be explosive, and they were just, you know, throwing bombs all over the place. But I I believe this is a totally different defensive scheme that they're going to have this week, and they are going to attack uh, Desmond Ritter and cause havoc all night in the backfield. One hopes that's the case because this is right here what scares the bejeebies out of me. 
Tommy T saying Barton covering Bajan scares me. Yeah. Cam Curl might be covering him. You you can't have Cody Barton covering anybody. Cody yeah. Barton's been having a disastrous season. You pulled um you pulled Forbes, the rookie, for having, you know, a bad couple of games. You just signed up a uh uh another linebacker to your 53. Something's gotta happen because Cody Barton is not the player he was last season. Yeah. He's not fitting in well here, and it's been an absolute disaster. How can they protect that middle of the field? Do you expect more Cam curls, some more Jamin Davis? Yeah. Or are we going to just try to trust that Cody Barton's going to turn things around and cover? Yeah. Because there were some Seattle people who apparently haven't been following Cody Barton this year. I saw a tweet that somebody from Seattle was like, they, Seattle needs to figure out a way to bring Cody Barton back. Right. Because they're having their own issues at linebacker and tackling. So they have, but they haven't been paying attention to how bad he's been this season. It's just like Washington has got this uh, seller's remorse with um, Cole Holcomb. Okay. We all know what Cole Holcomb is. We don't need Cole Holcomb back here either. Right. And Cody Barton is, is probably a little bit worse, but let's not go begging for Cole Holcomb. He wasn't that great. The problem with Cody Barton is that he's a super smart linebacker and he's pretty physical linebacker. He's just not talented. And when you have that intelligence there and you put the green dot on him and he's the guy that calls the defense, it's hard to get rid of him. It's hard to get him out of here, especially when his backup is David Mayo, who's basically <laughs> Cody Barton part two. He's smart. A, a slower uh, Cody yeah. Barton for, and he's a for sure. But he's smart. He understands the defense. He understands where everybody needs to be. But then when the play happens, they just don't have the talent to be able to do what's necessary for a successful defensive series. So I don't know what they're going to do because now you've lost Derek Forrest, who who was back there as um, you know as a safety. So you're probably going to put Percy Butler there. Then you got to bring in Quan Martin. Is Quan Martin the guy who's going to be covering Bijan Robinson? Quan Martin with all of, let's see, how many snaps? One, two, zero defensive snaps all year, and all of a sudden yeah. you're going to put him on, you know, the uh, NFC Rookie of the Year probably in Bijan. So that's a problem. That's going to be a problem covering these guys. Keep them in front of you. Don't let them have those explosive plays. Uh, Jeffrey giving us all the credit here. Said, you guys need to stop the podcast. Y'all jinx every single <laughs> player you talk about. Get this off Who the air. Jinxed. Uh, I'm not sure, Jeffrey. Who did we jinx? Maybe uh, we did like the jinx. Like we talked about how bad Justin Fields was, and how <laughs> DJ Moore is just an average receiver. Could, could be. Oh my goodness! I wish we had that power, Jeffrey. I, yeah. I, I, if we if we really did have that level of power, we would be using it for good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we would. But uh, we don't have that kind of power out here on Ref the District. But uh, we do appreciate you listening here. One of my favorite answers was mm -hmm. from Tim Meek on what to fix. Yeah. And he responded their confidence. Yeah. What is Washington's confidence level going into this game against Atlanta? I actually really believe that their confidence level is going to be pretty high. They're sitting in there watching the tape of the Atlanta Falcons and they're not coming out very impressed because again of their, uh, lack of explosiveness and you know like i said maybe desmond ritter comes out and throws three bombs to drake london all of a sudden but i just don't see it happening 
So I think they're going to go into the game confident. I think they're going to go in with, with an attitude, with aggressiveness. They're going to have a different game plan for attacking the quarterback. And they know, and I said this earlier in the week, they know that their coaching staff's jobs are pretty much on the line. And they have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. They're going to play hard for those guys. They do not want to be the ones that get their coaches fired in the middle of the season. That's embarrassing for professional guys who care about their team that their coach gets fired. It's embarrassing for John Allen if Jack Del Rio gets fired because of John Allen's play on the field. They haven't. Jack Del Rio's not lost that locker room. Ron Rivera's not lost that locker room. You haven't heard any sort of whispers or nobody's going to the media, you know, anonymously and making statements about Jack Del Rio, this Jack Del. That's not happening. When that happens, then you know they've lost the locker room and they've lost the respect of the coach. So I think they're going to be pretty confident going into this game, and I think it will affect their play on the field, and you're going to see a different defense against Atlanta. One of the things I brought it up at the beginning was just how well the team, the players were talking today to the media. And a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of it was inward looking. One of those things I also noticed about that stoner was what you're talking about. There's a solidarity within that unit. Yeah. Within that team. I believe that. Within that coaching staff, right? They, they very much, when they hear this outside noise of somebody attacking one of their players or attacking their coaches, mm-hmm. they are bonded by it. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of this kind of mentality where you need it to be you versus the world. You have to play as the underdog because mm-hmm. I want Washington to be the team people are looking at like, oh, we need to look up to them. This is our measuring stick, right? Yeah. But right now, Washington isn't quite there. So this kind of mentality that they have right now where it is, they're bonding together and they're going to give people. We had Jonathan Allen last year. Keep that same energy. Now we've got to sign up in the locker room. Do your job. Yeah. Do you think the team is going to be, you know, more solid now? Three-game losing streak. You lost two to two really good teams. Then you went in and you laid a stinker at home mm-hmm. against a team everyone expected you to beat. Mm-hmm. You know, now you go to Atlanta and you're dogs to Atlanta. Yeah. They are dogs to Atlanta. You just can't, just can't have that. And so I do think that that mentality is going to help Washington bounce back here against Atlanta. A little spoiler alert. Allison with a great question I wanted to get to here. And of course, if you have a good good question for us or want to add to the conversation, feel free to make that comment, but don't forget to hit that like button before you do that. And if uh, you haven't already sub up to the channel, Uh, Allison here, biggest Washington weakness on offense and defense. Yeah. I'll go first stoner and I'm because I'm going to just give two names and then you can expand on however you would like Mm -hmm. offense. Nick Gates. Mm-hmm. Defense, Cody Barton. Next question. There, I'm going to say it's the, the exact right answer, same thing. Right? It's yeah. the right answer. Cody it's Barton right is answer. by far the biggest weak, weakness on defense. And on offense, I we knew we were going to miss Chase Roulier. Right? He's, sure. He hasn't been healthy enough to continue playing. Right? Yeah, he even he retired. Played, even retired. Went as far yeah. as to retire. 
but even just having, and it's not that Nick Gates, I'm not trying to dog him too much, but the, the level of play he's bringing, he's not bringing the intelligence we're used to at center. Mm-hmm. And he's not bringing necessarily strength at center. Right. I do appreciate what he brings in character and his mentality, mentality mm-hmm. of, of just wanting to be a nasty offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that he gets after guys. I love that he's one. He's almost always the first person picking up Brian Robinson or Sam Howe. Um, you know, he's always the first one who's in the face of his opponents when they've done something he knows that he needs to stand up for. Kind of the mm-hmm. opposite of the defensive side, the defensive weakness, Cody Barton, who had his player absolutely body slammed on the ground and just looks at them. Mm-hmm. And Cody Barton, as you, we've talked enough about Cody Barton, he is definitely yeah. by far the big, big weakness in there. And that is going to be one of those scary things in the front there. If you have a different answer, please put that in the, uh, the thing. Biggie, I love this. I kind of, I, I asked this before mm-hmm. the Chicago game, Dick Butkus had died. And I said, is this going to be a boost to Chicago? Stoner told me no, Biggie. No. So that's not the case, Biggie. Here saying Butkus was the reason Chicago won. No <laughs> one could have beat them that night. Yeah. With the Hall of Fame Butkus passing. I mean, anybody would have lost that night. It's possible. Yeah. It's little Butkus magic. But that's about as likely as ref the district jinxing uh the team. So uh I think it's time to bring up the trivia. So, okay. So let me bring this bring this over here. Yeah, we'll ask screen. anybody, everybody in the uh, who's here in the chat watching live. We're gonna ask the 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 answer. Ask them if they know the answer to this particular question. Can you blow that up at all? I'm going to try. I might have right. to remove it and then blow it up, and then we'll share it after uh, zoomed a little bit. That. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I can see it in the background. There. Yeah. So perfect. Bring it over this way. Nope. We're going to keep it. Uh, one of these is going to work better than what I have. All right. <laughs> Remove Add it. There we go. We're just going to keep it on this works. side because the other one's messed up for a DCU. All right. Three Washington QBs in their first full year as starter after five games, yep. Sam Howe, two and three. Team uh, with uh, 131 for 109, a 68 passing percentage, 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions, one rushing touchdown, 86 QB rating, 29 sacks. All right. We have two mystery QBs here for you. Yep. Mystery QB A was three and two with the team uh, as the team record. 55 percentage, almost 56 percentage of his passes completed, 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions, one rushing touchdown, an 80.9 QB rating with 17 sacks. And then QB uh, B was two and three as well, like Sam. Uh, 62.8 percentage of the completion, only 1,268 yards, eight touchdowns, though, six interceptions, one rushing touchdown, 84.2 QB rating, five sacks. Can you name either A or B in the chat? I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, 
I think those all three of those are very similar. I think really the only, the biggest difference might be um, completions percentage, but the yards, the touchdowns, the interceptions, the the QB rating, the team's record, all of that were very very similar. And really, Sam Howell had them both on completion percentage, but also in the number of times he dropped back, and we all know how many times he's dropped back in those five games. But somebody in there actually got one of them correct already. Yeah, and I was do really have, surprised. We do have uh, the right answer in there. We've got some other answers. Biggie saying Mark Brunel, saying Cousins for QB2. TJ with McNabb and Grossman. Darnell saying, you, Mr. You like that, which I think mm-hmm. you can just barely see right behind me. I have the, the towel <laughs> back there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stoner has his, you like that. Um, the Tommy T saying Alex Smith, Justin with the right answer for one of them, mm-hmm. which Justin was nailed it. Bring that up. Yep. A is Patrick Ramsey. Patrick Ramsey. Yeah, absolutely. He was three and two. All the, the stats are very similar to what Sam Howell has done. Yards, uh, touchdowns, interceptions, uh, even sacks. Uh, he had 17 sacks in five games, which is kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost that's three and a half a game. That'll get you up there after 16, 17 games, pretty high. Uh, but yeah, so Patrick Ramsey turned out to be not that guy. Yep. Although his first five games, you watched it and you were like, maybe he's that guy. But also he was playing for Steve Spurrier. Yeah. Steve Spurrier didn't care one iota about an offensive line no. or protecting his quarterback. And that probably hurt Sam Howell, Sam Howell, uh, Patrick Ramsey in the long run because he was just under siege all the time. And that was only 17 sacks in five games. Now, I think the next game he was sacked like six times. So, the number numbers kept going up, but he just kept getting beat up and beat up and beat up. And eventually he went on, I think maybe to Denver for a little bit or whatever. And he was out of the league. And I think Spurrier ruined him because he just had him back there getting beat up. And I'm afraid that's going to happen to uh, Patrick, uh, to Sam Howell yeah. as well. Patrick Ramsey went to um, the jets, then did, finished out his career in Denver. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. I think the bigger, the bigger difference was the completion percentage with Patrick yeah. Ramsey, right? Like just Sam House so much more accurate yeah. than Patrick Ramsey, but a lot of similarities with those two. They and actually had more yards, more um more passing yards than Sam Howell. And Sam Howell is what sixth in the NFL this year in yards, I believe. He's, yep. he's up there pretty high because he's yeah. throwing the ball a lot, but Ramsey threw it almost as many times. <laughs> a 300, a nearly 400 yard game is going to put you up towards the, the up top there. there this early on there on the season. No one actually got number two, and I'm yeah. uh, surprised. I even gave a visual clue. Oh, oh you did give a visual? Oh, yeah, you did give I a gave visual, the visual clue. clue. He's uh, right there. He's right there. there. It's, it's Taylor Heineke. I yeah. joked early. But I just had to put them up there for our our uh, chat here on the rundown. Yeah. And uh, but it's also the visual clue to the answer was a guy most people loved and fascinated with. Right. Was the you have the hive who absolutely grew to a guy who was two and three had decent uh, completion, did have mm-hmm. better touchdown to interception ratio. But I remember complaining a lot more about. Taylor Heineke's 
turnover rates. Now, one thing you didn't keep in there were the fumbles. So I'm interested to see how much mm. that would have affected the turnovers. One thing I'll say with Sam Howell is, yes, he's six touchdowns to six interceptions. You can mm-hmm. go as far as to say the rushing touchdowns, so seven to six right now. But we'll just well, stick with passing. The we'll fumble. stick with passing. The fumble. So the seven and seven. True. That's what I'm trying sure. to say. If, you, okay. if you're going to add the rushing touchdown, I, I'm going to stick with six and six regardless. Okay. All right. I'm going to six touchdowns to six interceptions. Yep. If you, I, you can't take away the Buffalo game. All right. It, it happened. Yeah. It was a bad, bad game right. for Sam Howell. Okay. So you can't take it away. But if you were to have him just, if you were to, if that Buffalo game were any other game, let's say this mm. Atlanta game. Okay, right. and we're about to face Buffalo. All right, if we were to look at it that way, he more than likely has a great touchdown to interception ratio, mm. right? If he, he was just for that game, right? He threw for that yeah. game, sure. so he just it, like I said, if you if you mind wipe it out, he's six and two. Yeah, but you can't do that. But I mean, say, right. so, but that's the kind of hope I have for him by the end of the season. I do think he's going to be up there in interceptions. Okay. It's his first year as a starter. Yeah. So I would expect in the teens for interceptions, but I think that he's going to continue. We're five games in, he's thrown six touchdowns. So just over a touchdown per, I do think he's going to end up with not 30, like we originally were very bold to predict. <laughs> but I do I'm think 20. that he's going to finish with, uh, you know, 24, 25, 27, even, mm. you know, touchdowns. You know, I'll take the under. So I mean, we'll over uh, under twenty four. Yeah, we'll we'll put that on this. It's on the chat right now. We've got it. Twenty four is the over under for uh, for passing touchdowns. By the way, he's on. I believe he would be on pace then, right? Five games in, he's got a, a seventeen game season, and he's throwing every five games. He's throwing an extra one, so three. Yeah, so that's actually would be right at twenty. All right, yeah. so he's not at twenty four, but he's gonna be, he's gonna pass twenty stoner. Okay, I hope Billy, so. Billy Billy th- throwing in his yeah. uh, two cents, not going to get twenty seven. Yeah, 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 that yeah. might be a far fetch. <laughs> that one might be a far fetch, but yeah, you never know. Maybe he throws four touchdowns here against Atlanta, and I'll tell you what, we'll have a lot of bold predictions coming for you here in the cool down. Stick around.